Baptist Church, Charlotte. Pastor of First Church, Charlotte, and I'm honored that you would be a part of this time here, and I should mention another church I'm honored to pastor, Christ Community Church in Concord. Um, we welcome all of you, however you've heard about us, we welcome you to this time. I want to direct your attention to Isaiah chapter number five, and we're going to read at verse number one, and um, for for a title, let me let me simply entitle this um, God's investment program, God's investment program, or uh, to make it even simpler, let's call it God's investment model. Look here in Isaiah chapter number five, and we're going to start reading at verse number one. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. Uh, I want to remind all of you that this type of Hebrew poetry language would be very familiar to you if you were to read, um, uh, say, Psalms or even Proverbs or any of the wisdom literature. Uh, let this remind all of us that the, the prophets are full of this anointed Hebrew uh, poetry style. And so we're here, verse number one. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it. Notice this. He expected it to bring forth good grapes but it brought forth uh, wild grapes. Um, let me just real quick pause on this subject of wild grapes. In the, in the Aramaic, or, uh, this is, these are literally called wolf grapes. Um, they're not like the naturally grown that you would think of that are tasty. Um, these are considered an infestation. Uh, they aren't tasty. Um, we think of wild, say, blueberries. That's not what they're referring to here. They're referring to something that is useless for the purposes of the vineyard. Um, it will grow in fertile soil, but it's useless for the purpose of the vineyard. Back here uh, to the middle of verse number two. He built a tower. He made a wine press. He expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Turning the page here. And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. Notice what is going to grow in an abandoned field, briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice 
but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. Um, this passage is, uh, I think, uh, it's it's beautiful in the form of its poetic gifting, um, but it's also melancholy in the sense that the Lord has gave, and now the Lord will take away. Uh, judgment is very much um, the result of us refusing God's plan for our our life. Um, all of us uh, have an opportunity to be included in God's work. And He has made an investment in us. Um, when I refer to God's investment model, I'm not referring to how you can make, you know, how you could go out and make a million dollars in real estate or, you know, uh, the stock market or something like that. I'm referring to a principle that is shown in the Word of the Lord of how the Lord invests in a people, how the Lord invests in a covenant partner. Um, all of us are recipients through faith of that covenant partnership. Let me say it another way. God has committed himself to work in you and committed himself to work through you. It's the will of God that I become a profitable investment of God's effort, time, mercy, grace, and resources. It's the will of God that you represent a profitable investment of God's time, grace, and you get the idea, resources, blessing. Um, we, all of us, have been included. In fact, let me say it this way. The greatest thing that has ever happened to me, I cannot understand it completely in this life. Um, I can acknowledge it at the level of uh, spiritual understanding and humility of heart, but I will understand it better when I see him face to face. The eternal God, the infinite creator, has included me in this great work um, to redeem a broken world and to save that broken world from its sin and to transform that broken world into newness of life. The whole point of the gospel is to restore a lost relationship all the way back from creation where uh, humanity chose rebellion and judgment over submission and surrender. And so this becomes a reminder to all of us. Um, if you've served the Lord any length of time at all, God has an investment in you and he's looking to see your hand to be profitable in his work. If you had the benefit of growing up saved, growing up in the church, and that represents an investment, please don't just shrug it away. God has a lot invested in you. Uh, those of you who are growing up in the church now, um, if you are, uh, if you have an ad adult children or you are an adult children, um, uh, uh, <laughs> not, not the best way to say that. Um, God is investing in you and he is looking for something as a result of his investment. How hungry are we to fulfill God's plan for our life? Um, there is in most of our lives, uh, most of our hearts, this desire to know the perfect will of God because we have this idea and we're not, it's not so much that we're wrong is that it is just part of the story that if I'm in the will of God, my life will be more blessed. If I'm in the will of God, I will prosper more. I'll have better quality of everything. The will of God will be my best life. 
And that is true, but perhaps not by the judgment of the flesh, perhaps not by the presuppositions um, of our carnal minds. Um, the Lord is very much looking to produce fruit in us. The seed of the word is planted in our hearts and he is looking for it to grow into something. Uh, God would like to see you develop. If I don't know if we have many of our young people, but one of the things I, I most commonly say to young people when I talk to them is to remind them that God chose them intentionally and God has a purpose and a plan for them and God would like to multiply their efforts. You have to place your hand, yourself in the hand of God and those years of preparation will in many ways, hear me, look like some version of missing out on the things of this world. And if you care more about missing out on the things of the world than you do being prepared for the kingdom of God, then church, church calling, spiritual life will never make much sense to you. Because all of my young Christians, all of my young leaders, anyone growing and becoming in God, myself included, oftentimes waiting for God feels like missing out on other options in your life. Does that make sense? We have to submit ourselves to the investment model, excuse me, that God is working in our life and living out patience and going through the friction of spiritual disappointment, um, overcoming the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. This all will feel like some version of being put on standby. Um, and if you cannot accept God's plan, his investment model in your life, then you're always going to be looking to exit the potter's wheel. You're always going to be looking how I can get off this potter's wheel. I have other things I could be doing. Um, one of the trials of, of, of I think, uh, most young ministers um, is to live through seasons of their life when it feels like nothing is happening or they either aren't making progress or more commonly, they're actually suffering setbacks. Um, and if that is all it takes for you to quit, if that is all it takes for me to quit, to feel like I'm suffering setback, then I'm going to have a very, very difficult time accepting God's investment model because God is doing very specific things when he develops you. You all probably know what a developer is. A developer is a, a, a businessman or woman who makes their, their business by adding value to property that usually does not have much value to it. Um, they add value somehow. This property is not worth this that much as a field, but what if we turned it into something that generated cash flow? It would become more valuable. We might have to put money in it. We might have to build a apartment complex or a skyscraper or <laughs> a parking garage. How are we going to develop it? Um, we are going to do something to it, watch, that adds the value. The value is calculated off of the property's potential. What is your potential today in God? Um, God would like to multiply your potential. 
God would like to raise your potential. God would like to invest in your potential. And so this beautiful song, it's written as a love song, but it's a metaphorical uh, property developer looking to develop property. And it's not just any property. He's looking to develop uh, property that is valuable property. You will remember that we read here in verse uh, verse um, number one, uh, my beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Uh, he did not randomly choose. He chose with intent. Um, God believes in your potential. Right now, it just looks like an abandoned hillside, so to speak, or a never developed uh, hilltop. That's not how God sees it. That's not how God sees you. That's not how God sees me. Um, God sees not where we are and what we are, but he sees who we can be and where he will take us. This is fundamental to living a life of faith because if you're always judging God from the perspective of whether or not he's moving fast enough to please you, you will soon discover that there is a closed spiritual door in your life because God will not be hurried. God will bring about his plan. He invests on different timelines than you and I invest on in, and he sees different outcomes than you and I you and I see. Um, and so let's talk about the model, the development model, the investment model that is being shown here. And let's see in this model, first of all, uh, the story of how the children of Israel lost their way. And in this model, we will see the point and purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, we will be challenged not to lose our way like the house of Israel did as God works on us and through us. So evidently, what's the first thing that this developer in this metaphor does uh, for this for this this land, this hilltop of great potential, but current waste. It has no value unless we work on it. But if we work on it, it can start getting value. Uh, the first thing he does is he breaks up the ground. He breaks up the ground because the ground is too hard to have vines, fruitful vines grow in. The only thing that can survive in this ground, this pack, compacted, this hard, um, is uh, thorn, thistle, and weed, and the like. Nothing um, of uh, fruitfulness. What is the difference in a thorn, um, a, a weed, and a vine? Here is the big difference, and um, I, I I really hope that this uh, touches and resonates in your spirit somehow, because I, I want you to remember this. That what is the advantage that a weed, a thorn, or a thistle has? It puts the thorn, the weed, the thistle, puts 100% of its energy into survival. It does not produce much more than the bare necessities. And most of its potential, most of its uh, conversion of sunlight and oxygen and soil and sediment is turned into toughness, uh, thistle, um, thorn, 
it is it may produce berries here and there but they're they're too small for uh, most any usage um, the advantage of the thorn is that it puts all its energy into survival now compare the thorn with a uh, 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 fruit uh, what am I trying to say the grapevine the grapevine puts all of its almost all of its productivity into making something that is from our perspective valuable would the vine be more successful uh, survive more if it took half of its energy away from the grapes and put it in thorn and thistle and poison probably but it doesn't now it's remember this is metaphor um, this is not of course the thorn isn't deciding what to do no, that we're the ones deciding what to do this is metaphor um, when we live our lives for ourselves, we don't care about helping others. We don't care about supporting others. We don't care about the fruit of our lives being turned into something nourishing to others. We grow like a thorn or a thistle, um, a, a poisonous vine even. Well, we, we, we collect for ourselves. We don't, we don't care about serving others. Um, if you're going to grow a, a, a vineyard that these plants are going to put most of their effort um, into uh, the uh, the, vine, the the fruit itself, you're going to have to you're going to have to break up the hard ground because this vine is not strong enough to 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 dig its way through this hard ground. So he breaks up the ground. Uh, the second thing that he does here in this passage is he clears out the stones. There are, uh, again, even more teaching examples here. You'll remember the story um, where the Lord is talking about uh, the, some seed fell among the rocky soil and it couldn't get root there. Um, so, it is with, so it is with this vineyard, these, this, these rocks. Um, they, the, the, the problem is not just that the rock is hard and uh, seed can't grow on a rock. Uh, that's, that's only part of the problem. Uh, the main problem is you can't plow the soil. Um, if you don't get the rocks out, every time you plow, you'll break your plow. And so the ground will be faded, so to speak, to stay nearly rock hard and nothing can grow. Um, I love the idea of sin as that rock um, in our lives that breaks our potential. And it's by grace and mercy. Uh, it's by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that sin is removed uh, from our lives. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb. We are uh, made partakers of His righteousness, His goodness, and ultimately His nature. Um, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Read the fruit of the Spirit carefully. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is what God is like. Uh, read the language. In fact, I almost taught about that tonight. Um, it isn't just what we have to do so we can be good enough to get saved. No, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, all of that is actually, read the text, how 
God is, and that's how God is with us. He's merciful, he's kind, he's loving, he's good. Anyway, back on track here. Uh, so the hard ground is broken, the rocks are removed. Now, because the plow-breaking rocks have been removed and the oxen can work the ground with the plow, now you can perhaps grow a tender vine. It's not thorn and thistle and poisonous uh, creeper. <laughs> it's, it's tender. The ground has to be prepared. This is a lot of work. But here's the good news. This is work that God has already done. We could not do this work, but he washed our sins away. Uh, another part of this process, uh, that he fenced it. How do we know he fenced it? It's not mentioned in the first five verses, but we read verse number five where he said that he would uh, take away the hedge and break down the wall. He builds the hedge around it and he builds the wall. Why would he build a wall around it? Well, uh, these tender plants have to be protected um, uh, in this part of the world. Um, if you're a gardener, you know around here we have a problem with deer, and the deer will destroy your gardens. Um, in this part of the world, they, they didn't have a lot of deer. They had sheep and goats, and goats will eat nearly anything. They'll eat the green, then they'll eat the brown leftovers. Um, they had You have to protect this. Um, the thorn and the thistle protects itself as best it can. Um, it puts all its energy into saving it. Do you see the, the imagery here? This is a profound, beautiful lesson, as beautiful as you'll find um, in the language, that poetic language of the Old Testament prophets, in my opinion. Um, the vineyard isn't trying to save itself. The vineyard is saved by the caretaker. It's the thistle, the thorn, the poisonous plant that's trying to save itself. Um, the fence, the hedge, is what has to be done or the sheep and the goats who come through will eat the vineyard to the ground. So you build a hedge to keep it out. He broke up the hard ground. This is akin to the softening of our hearts when we hear the word of the Lord and the softening of our spirits when we call upon the name of the Lord. And uh, he forgave our sins. That's akin to the removing of these rocks that they keep us in a state of hardness because you can't run a plow through a field with big rocks in it. It'll break the plow and you'll be stuck, fixed, held in sin. Um, and so he fenced it. He, he, he fenced this land to protect it because this tender vine had, it did not use its energy to save itself. Um, it produces something valuable to the vineyard owner and he protects. Um, the stones gathered up, uh, the stones used in the real construction, the stones are used actually to build the walls. Um, and then the Bible tells us uh, that he planted it with the choicest vine. This is verse number two. He planted it with the choicest vine. He did not simply, uh, you know, take whatever was on sale at uh, Pike's Nurseries. <laughs> he planted it with the the, the, the choicest vine. Um, God's investment in you, if you allow it to come to fruition, will absolutely be the best version of who you could be. There is no life of, no career, no accomplishment, 
that is a better life for you than real surrender to the presence, uh, the power, and the purpose, the purpose of God. He planted it with the choicest vine. His investment in you should not be underestimated. Um, eternity alone will be able to tell you what was done, what was completed in the great work of God in, in your life. And uh, the next thing that happens, if you look back here with me, uh, the, after he planted the choicest vines, the Bible says he built a tower, a tower in, in the midst. Now, if we wanted to look at this in terms of, of covenant, and I think we should because um, you will not understand the heart of God if you do not understand that he is a covenant-keeping God. You'll not understand any of his relationship with any people in any of the 66 books of the Bible if you do not understand he is a covenant-keeping covenant keeping God. Um, and so the choicest vine that he planted uh, this is a symbol, this vine, this investment, uh, this which is placed within us. I, I think it's a beautiful example of the covenant of God. You will not be alone. I will go with you. Do not be afraid when you face them. Do not be afraid what to say. You are not alone. I am with you. In the new covenant, we think of it as his presence with us, his anointing, um, producing change, change in our lives. Now, this next image, he built a tower in the middle of it. Um, the, the tower was to be able to observe the whole of the vineyard efficiently, to be able to see if the little foxes, so to speak, were spoiling the vines down in the corner. If you did not have perspective, you would not understand. Now, back to what I said earlier. If you cannot endure the waiting seasons of your life, when it seems like nothing is happen, happening, um, you will miss out on the investment God is making in you. God is the only one who has a perspective of everything that's going on. Do you see? Um, I... I I have a decent perspective of uh, the church I pastor, but at best, it's just a little rise in the landscape. God built a tower. He built a tower. Uh, we think of that as his name, but more his identity. Jehovah has become my savior. Yeshua, Jesus, Jehovah, my Savior. Uh, his name is a strong tower. There is no infestation that can destroy you because he is the one watching over your life. There is no thief that can take his purpose from you because he is the one watching your life. I don't have perspective on everything you're facing. I don't have perspective on what I'm facing. But in the middle of his vineyard, there is a watchtower. He built it. It has intention to it. Uh, through the protection of his promise, through the gifts he has placed in the body of Christ, through spiritual leadership, through the mentoring of leaders, and through the brotherhood of the saints, the sisterhood of fellow believers, through all of that, God protects you. Do not let fear uh, rule your life, even when you don't understand. God doesn't always invite you to climb the tower. He more, much more often 
as you look to the tower and know he is watching out for me. It is well with my soul. How can I say that? I look at the tower. Jehovah is my salvation. He is my salvation. I don't understand why I'm going through what's happening in this part of the field, but I see that he is He is my savior. The tower is a symbol of uh, the guard and for Israel, for Israel, there is an image also, if you get into the, uh, the biblical prophetic metaphors here, there's also uh, uh, an idea of um, God not just protecting, but seeing. He, he sees the purpose for it all. Um, I'm busy, say, trying to be fruitful, but he knows the purpose for the vineyard. Now, what else does he do? This is the fifth uh, development. So he fenced it, cleans out, he breaks the soil, cleans out the stones. That's the second thing. Plants it with the best vines. He builds a tower in the middle of it. That's the fourth thing. And here's the fifth thing. He put a wine press. He built a wine press. This is a form, um, excuse me, of capital investment. If you just have a vineyard and you don't have a wine press, you have to pay someone who does have a vineyard. Um, God's God is uh, showing you he's not, this isn't a shortcut. <laughs> he, everything needed for the anointing oil to flow has been provided. We don't have to at some point go reach to another thinker, another philosopher, another religious tradition, another book of scripture. No, he everything we need for the anointing to flow is right in this vineyard. He built a wine press. And so the grapes that were to grow in this protected place were to be used to be the anointing oil, the wine of the vineyard, right here at the wine press. But unfortunately, and this is where the story has a melancholy turn to it, unfortunately, um, the children of Israel, in spite of having this big investment, they still had choice and will. And rather than growing something that would make rich the community, the, the, the region that would benefit others, they grew as thorn and thistle themselves. In spite of having, God did not, and here's the interesting thing, God did not make this huge investment, this investment in covenant to grow the same thing he had before he made the investment. This is why the church uh, and before the church, the children of Abraham, there was a divine purpose. If all God wanted was more vine, poisonous vine and more thorn and more thistle, he, he already had that. Why would, so our heart, so here, here is where the imagery comes to it. We have to be willing to change. Otherwise, we have to care. We have to surrender our will. It's not so much about us making possible the impossible as it is about us making submission to what he has made possible. 
And so this is the investment model of God. God will remove the barriers in your life. He will make the commitment. He will protect you. And I'm almost done, so just give me a moment more. He will protect you. He will invest in you. He will build a tower of his name. He will fence you in with his word. He will remove the stones and the hard ground with his blood. He will plant the choices vine with his love. He will build a tower for his name. Yes, Jehovah Tishkanu, Jehovah our righteousness, Kadesh who sanctifies, Shalom, Jehovah is our peace, Shema, Jehovah is there, Rafa, Jehovah heals, Jireh, Jehovah is my provider. You get the idea, we could go on and on for a while. Uh, Nisi, Jehovah my banner, um, Rohi, Jehovah my shepherd. Uh, he has built a tower in the middle and we know that he is working out his will. I may not understand everything that's happening in this vineyard, but I can look to his name and know he has moved heaven and earth to save me. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to allow my fruit to be destroyed if I am submitted to him. And finally, he puts a wine press therein. This is his spirit. This is the crushing uh, where the anointing flows, like Ephesians 5 and 18. Be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The purpose of God's protection was for us to produce a different kind of fruit in our life. Hear me, my brothers and sisters. I'm speaking from my heart. I'm speaking to myself. The purpose of God's protection in our life is that we grow a different fruit. Our lives don't just look like everybody else's. We grow a different fruit. The purposes of God's uh, breaking the hard heart is that we become a different people. The purpose of Him removing the sin that destroys is that we can show forth a different way of being and testimony. If we're just like the unbeliever, how? In other words, we're investing everything we have in us. Our whole life is thorn and thistle. It's us saving us. It's not us pouring out ourselves to a lost world, knowing He is our protection, knowing He is our salvation, the fence and the tower, but rather it's us trying to uh, have enough thorns that we save ourselves. Do you see the imagery here? Um, God has a purpose for it, and that is that we produce uh, the fruit. Um, and that is we make a difference in our community through the testimony of the fruit of His Spirit. We speak life over uh, spiritual uh, death. Uh, we speak hope in um, circumstances of pain. Um, we speak uh, renewal over people who feel like 
they have no chance. We have that childlike naivete that's just all big-eyed and says, God can do something great in your life. And the cynic shakes his or her head, and the unbeliever rolls his or her eyes, and they all mock, and it's okay. Why? Because we were doing it right when we had that innocence. We had that silly talk about loving people, and oh, you suckers just want to love everybody. I'm, it's an honor to bear that label. Um, this is the belief that I don't have to protect myself. God's placed me in a vineyard. This is so hard to do. We want to carry our own thorns, but he carried our thorns. We don't grow thorns. He wore our thorns like a crown, do you see? All of his protection, all of his investment, all of his mercy, all of his grace is so we can be those innocent, naive people of faith who just simply believe that God could do it. Lord, help me to do better at that. Help me not to try to be my own protection, but help me to surrender to you. Help me to look in this year to the transformation of your power, your spirit in my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. We ask for it today. We desire it above everything else by your power and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to do this. Let this year be about producing a different kind of fruit. Don't worry about protecting yourself. Let God protect you. Um, don't worry about healing yourself. Let God heal you. Don't worry about being good enough. Trust in His goodness. Um, let your motivation be love, not fear. Let your motivation be love. Every change you do, every praise you offer, every prayer you pray, let its motivation be love. Uh, let it be <clears throat> uh, like a child crying, Papa. God built all of this protection in our lives. He built this tower of his name, the protection of his word. He removed sin so we could have this childlike innocence of simply believing God could change your life. God could help you. You, you, do, you could do better. I believe you're going to make it to speak that kind of innocent faith over the world in which we live because that fruit is what is crushed into anointing and that is what makes the difference. I want to make an appeal to everyone listening to me. Find a ministry. Don't let this be another year where you feel like your relationship with God is complete by being a recipient on Sunday. I want to ask every one of you to find a ministry. We have ministries right now with tremendous need. Do you love kids? We need we, we have tremendous need in first kids. Um, if I stood in the church on Sunday and said, how many of you would like to do something for God? Nearly everyone would raise their hands, but sometimes the inertia of life and we, we, oh, I don't know, and we talk ourselves out of it. Don't do it. If all God wanted was thorn and thistle, there was no need for him to go through all this investment, but he did because he wants you to produce a certain kind of fruit in your life. It's going to have a, an innocence to it, a, almost a, a sim simplicity it. But when we lose that simplicity, we've missed something fundamental about being spiritual people. Um, our van ministry, uh, we uh, have people who want to come to church and a lot of times 
recently, nearly every Sunday we've had um, people who would have been there, but they didn't have a ride. We can't have it all depend on two people. You would stand, raise your hand, and say, I'll, I'll serve. I want to do something for the Lord. Well, here's something you can do. You, you see how I'm doing this here. Or do you support a, a, a small group or a Bible study? Um, celebrate recovery? Um, <clears throat> do you, do you, is there any? God made this huge investment. This is God's investment program. He did all of this work, all of this protection, all of this security. So you wouldn't grow thorns and thistles. So you could grow this fruit that is about blessing beyond yourself. You're not primarily focused on protection. Just me and mine. I've got to survive. Don't say that about me. I'll talk back to you. Oh, you're worse than me. Ah, no. That's all the path of the religiously blind, the Pharisee, the no. Your life should have this innocence to it. I'm going to help that. I think God could use that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, don't get into, okay, I got to stop. I love you. God bless you. We're back to regular schedule this coming Sunday, 9, 15, and 11 a.m. at Charlotte, 2 p.m. in Concord. Um, we invite you to uh, join at either location. Uh, we love you. We want God's best for you. Please hear the word of the Lord. Apply it to your life and be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.